Grace and peace of Christ be with you. And also with you. Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, and those of you who are visiting with us, we're especially glad that you're here with us today. If you would take the, uh, of, of the friendship pad at the center end of each pew, it's a black folder. We'd love to have you sign it, whether you're regularly here or a visitor. We'd love to know that you're here with us today. Also, the connections are in the bulletin. You'll see that at 10 o'clock, we're having a congregational meeting. There's going to be time to go get some coffee and then come back in, and we'll start with some worship, and then we will have our business meeting and present the annual report and our budget for the next year. So we hope that you will take a break and then come back in and participate in that. You'll see that Ash Wednesday is 10 days from now. It is a week from Wednesday, a beginning of the Lenten season, and we begin that with a service of worship here at 7 o'clock that evening. Also, our third Friday group is going to have one of our members, Tom Fay, who is a direct descendant of the Donner Party, talk about the Donners and some of uh, what really happened and some of the myth of that historic California event. It's also an opportunity for the third Friday group, if you would like to participate, to make one of the refugee kits that we heard Steve Haas talk about that will be sent to uh, refugee camps. In, particularly in Lebanon and in Jordan, to help children. And much more detail about that. And there'll be opportunities on Saturday and Sunday of that weekend for other people to participate in making those kits, too. Our, our women's retreat is beginning to take registration. We are, you can register online, and there is a cart out on the patio today. Love to have you sign up for that. It is a great weekend in March away. Um, you will see that we are the overflow cold weather shelter 
for the homeless population if they, because there are only so many people can sleep at the alternative sleeping location. They have a limit. And in the cold weather and the possible rain of this winter, we have three weeks that we are uh, the overflow shelter. If you'd like to participate in helping with that, then uh, you can see that you can contact Cindy Campbell about that. It's not an every night thing. It's if it gets cold enough and or if it's raining on those nights that we would be part of that probably for about 10 people or so. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. In the gray clouds and the rain of this morning, Lord, remind us that you are light and that you shine into the darkness of our world that from the very beginning, on the first day of creation, you said, let there be light and there was light. The light became life in the fullness of grace and truth. So we turn to you this morning and ask for the illumination of the light of your word and spirit. Fill each of our lives. Lift us, cleanse us, purge us. Bring us to the fullness of your light and love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please join me for a call to worship. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations. To open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare before they spring forth. I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. Let us stand and worship the Lord. Sing together, church. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing. All praise Him.
all creatures of our God and King. Eternal God, unchanging, mysterious and unknown, your boundless love, unfailing, your grace and mercy show. Bright seraphim in ceaseless light, around your glorious throne they raise their voices day and night in praise to you verse 2 let every creature in the sea and every flying bird let every mountain every field and the call to confession. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. The God is light, and him, in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. If we walk in the light, as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 
If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so together let us confess our sins. Let us pray. Lord Christ, we confess our willingness to be loved, but also our reluctance to love. We confess our readiness to accept your forgiving love, but also our refusal to forgive. We confess our eagerness to grasp your offer of redeeming love, but also our resistance to follow you without question. Forgive us our failures. Come to us anew, and by your grace, assist us to follow you this day. Help us to love as you have loved. And so hear the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ our Savior. Amen. Amen. I am writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word you have heard. Yet I am writing you a new commandment that is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says, I am in the light while hating, a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Whoever loves a brother or sister lives in the light. And in such a person, there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates another believer is in the darkness, walks in the darkness, and does not know the way to go, because the darkness has brought on blindness. I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven on account of his name. In Jesus, the light of the world, our sins are forgiven, and we are healed. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Amen. Amen.
Our scripture is from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 4, as Jesus begins his public ministry. Matthew 4, verse 12. Now when Jesus heard that John, John the Baptist, had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left the Nazareth and made his home in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali so that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who sat in the region and shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. As he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, in the boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, our ten cities, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. One would have thought that when Jesus heard that John had been imprisoned and removed from the scene, that he would have begun his public ministry by moving to the very center of religious and political power in Judea and in Jerusalem. But no. Jesus moved from his hometown of Nazareth near Galilee into the northern region of Galilee to, to the ancient tribal areas of Zebulun and Naphtali, a part of the ten lost tribes of Israel taken into captivity in 721 B.C. He moved into that area, an area that was the connecting link, if you will, for the economy moving from east and west, an area that was known for its hot springs at the Lake of Galilee where sick people came from everywhere to bathe in those hot waters seeking healing. He came into a region where oftentimes revolutions were fomented and the zealots were at work always. The Roman legions were camped nearby. 
in order to keep track of all the activities of Galilee. And Matthew tells us that all of this, Jesus moving from Nazareth into Capernaum on the north shore of the lake at Galilee, Galilee of the Gentiles, all of this was in fulfillment of the prophecies of Isaiah. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in the land of deep darkness and under the power of death, upon them light has shined. Why was it that Galilee and these tribal areas, why was it that they were so important? I think very simply, these were tribal areas that represented the nations of the earth. Their spiritual condition is the spiritual condition of all nations, of all people, of Jews and Gentiles. Ever since the fall of men, what has been introduced into our world is a spiritual darkness that has enslaved and made it impossible for humans to be truly human. The Gospels tell us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything that came into being came into being through that Word, and what came into being through that Word was life, and His life was the light of the world. Jesus. In His very character, in his mind, in his deep emotions and compassion, with the eyes through which he saw the world, there was the light of God shining into the darkness, focusing like a giant spotlight into the darkness for the sake of finding the lost, the lonely, the broken, those without hope, he shined his light, the true light that enlightens everyone who is coming into the world, shine through the face of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. And before long, this light of the world would be speaking to his disciples whom he had called by the lake, you are the light of the world. No one lights a lamp and puts it under the lampstand, but puts it on the stand so that the light can illumine the darkness. Therefore, let everyone see your good works and give glory to your Father. The question that these texts raise for us is, what is the quality of our light? Is it true that the light of heaven, the light of the glory of God, shines in and through our faces? The church of Jesus Christ, as Jesus intended. It's a dangerous thing for us to begin to think of ourselves as children of light, and yet 
that's exactly how the New Testament speaks of the church. Children of light. I think this is one of the reasons I was drawn to this movie that's up for the Academy Award, Spotlight. One day I was walking in the park, Alta Laguna Park, and one of my friends in the neighborhood who does not profess to be a Christian in any way but shared with me in this conversation that, that he had trained uh, to be a Catholic priest and had finally dropped out. And he said, have you seen Spotlight? I said, no, I'm not sure I can watch it because I know the story and how it worked out already. He said, go see it. Because through that movie, the light shines not only upon the church, the children of light, but also upon the culture of the world. We are all implicated. It's the story of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Boston and the Boston Globe newspaper. But really, it's a story about the city of Boston and the culture. And the systematic ways that culture has a way of holding on to secrets, of hiding the truth, in this case, about priestly misconduct or pedophilia, rumors of priests who were violating children, and everyone buried the story, not just the church, but even the Boston Globe and other institutions lend living in deep darkness, unable to extricate itself. Years before, the Globe had known the story and buried it, if a reporter were to try to do such a story, it would mean his career and impose certain dangers upon him because who wants to be seen as attacking the church, the children of light? And finally, the rumors became so powerful that the investigative unit of the globe titled our name Spotlight researched seriously the story and knew they had to publish it against all kinds of resistance. Don't shine the light upon the truth. And when it was finally printed, it was discovered that over 200 priests in that one archdiocese had cases against them. And a thousand children had been violated with millions of dollars paid out to cover up the darkness. But not only in that archdiocese, but in archdiocese all over the United States and around the world. The globe finally did what the media sometimes accuses of simply being the left-wing liberal media and press that no one trusts or likes. Shine the light. And the truth was exposed 
And it was not just about the church, it was about the whole culture and all of us together. It's one of the reasons in the Presbyterian Church we as pastors have to go through sexual misconduct training every year in order to be held accountable. And we have policies approved by the session related to sexual misconduct. But the darkness is not just about that. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus, the Son of God, came into this world, a land of deep darkness, people under the, the shadow of death, enslaved by the darkness. And it is to this environment that Jesus came as the light of the world and the integrity of the kingdom of God was up for grabs in his own life, in his own character, and how he related to his disciples and how he related to all people. And people were drawn to him. And Matthew wants us to know that he came preaching the good news of the kingdom Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, has come near. Turn around. That was a simple message of John the Baptist, and it became the message of Jesus, and that it's always been the message of the church. Jesus was a preacher. And the whole New Testament wants us to know that the light of the kingdom of God shined in his words. That is why the church so desperately needs to listen honestly and openly and hold itself accountable before the Word of God because it is our only hope that the Holy Spirit will shine through the Word, that Christ will be known, that we will meet Christ, the light of the world, through His Word because His Word is a light upon our path. And without that word, we stumble and fall into the darkness, the spiritual darkness of this world, which is undergirded by the evil one himself, Satan, wants nothing more than to destroy the word of the proclamation and to intimidate the church in such a way that it no longer tells the truth of the good news, that the light is shining and there's a kingdom at hand that is working for the total transformation of our lives because we so easily sail into the darkness and are lost. Always love that scene from the voyage of the Don Treader, the boat sailing in the Narnian Sea but into a dark cloud in search of a lost sailor where they find him, hear his cries, and the darkness of a, of a world, a darkness of which they have never known or experienced before. And perhaps it is the voice of the lost sailor whom they seek. And then suddenly in the sky, out of the darkness, the darkness is pierced by a bright spotlight. And it is the light of Jesus Christ shining into that darkness that empowers them to rescue the man in the waters, to bring him aboard, and to be led back into the light of the Narnian seas. That's the mission of the church, inspired by the light of God, Jesus Christ. That's why we're here this morning, to proclaim in word and deed the good news of the kingdom. God is present. 
his rule and his reign, and it's a rule and reign of the light of heaven. Jesus came also teaching. He was a teacher, a master teacher. Right after this, we hear the Sermon on the Mount. Five major teaching narratives in Matthew's Gospel. But first, the Sermon on the Mount. Three chapters that tell us what the character of the kingdom of God is like. And it's there. He says, you are the light of the world, disciples. He had called Peter and John. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of people. And they dropped their nets, and they followed Jesus. And to James and John, whose father was Zebedee, mending their nets beside the lake of Galilee. And suddenly Zebedee had to watch his two sons, James and John, hear the invitation to follow Jesus. And they dropped their nets and they followed Jesus and left their father to run the business. That's a radical kind of a conversion, isn't it? Coming to the light does not always mean a geographical move. It may simply mean that we come awake to the dynamics of our own life where we have grown up and within our profession and vocation and in our neighborhood, and it's there that we are faithful witnesses to the light where we work for justice and peace. It doesn't mean moving around the world necessarily. It somewhat meant that for me. I thought about that this past week when I was in Lubbock, Texas, doing my mom's memorial service. She passed into the Lord's presence at age 102. And I'm so grateful for her life and for the ways in which she loved me. When I was seriously beginning to follow Jesus, I knew I needed to seek a Christian college where my life could be shaped and formed, where I could hear the teachings of Jesus and My mom and dad, rather than putting their foot down and saying no to me, said, okay. So they packed all of my belongings into the new car that they had given me the year before. And the terror from West Texas arrived in Santa Barbara and settled in. And I drove them down to the bus station and put them on the bus to go back to Texas. And I stayed with the car. Mistake number one. But they did that because they were letting go and letting me move into whatever the future might have for me. Graduated from seminary, received a call to a church back in Southern California, have spent my adult years in California, and every time I visited with my mother since, somewhat teasingly, she said, if I'd have known you were going to stay out there and not come home to me and to... Texas, I'd have never taken you to California. You know, she she loved God and Jesus more than me. And I was afraid I couldn't do that service. But it was your prayers and the intercessions of Jesus that held me up 
And in the power of the Spirit allowed me to, to let the light shine of the good news of the gospel. Thank you for helping me. What I've discovered is it's not just a geographical move, but it has been a move into total transformation of my life. Little could I have known that Jesus was going to work on me in such a way that he was going to give to me his mind and transform the way I think and feel and, and how I live, that his light would no longer let me do the things that might characterize the darkness, that he was going to raise my consciousness about what's going on in the world and ask me to become an advocate for justice and righteousness and peace in the world along with the proclamation of the coming new creation. It's already here, folks, this morning. And it's in your heart and your life and in your mind. Christ is at work. The light is here. And it's here because Jesus has proclaimed his word and taught us his word over and over and entrusted to us the ministry of reconciliation and made us ambassadors for Christ in whose face we have seen the light of the glory of God. And Matthew says he came healing. In fact, those three words, preaching, teaching, and healing, are a summation of Jesus' work and his ministry, preaching, teaching, and healing. And he gained a reputation so much so that people came from all around, from the ten cities, from Gentiles and Jews and from north and south. They came to Galilee to see and to hear, and they brought those who were troubled, the demoniacs and the mentally ill and those who were lame or are blind. And, and Jesus healed many of them simply by his spoken word and the touch of his hand. He brought healing and and he taught his disciples in that ministry that wherever the kingdom of God comes, it works for the healing and transformation of human life in all of its dimensions. It just does. He sends healers and teachers and preachers and social workers and doctors and nurses and all of that. He sends us all, business people, all of us, into the darkness of the world for the sake of healing. Some of you were with us at the World Vision meeting yesterday in Newport Beach, uh, Women of Vision. There was a special invitation to men to hear Dr. Vin Chung, who at the age of uh, three years old was taken by his parents with uh, ten other siblings on a boat out of Vietnam to float in the South China Sea in hopes of being rescued and of finding a new life and freedom. And at last they had come to the place where they thought that their life was over, that they were all going to die and drowned in the sea. So many things could have happened. They had heard before they left Vietnam that there was an organization named World Vision that had purchased a large cargo ship C-sweep, they called it, for the purpose of going up and down the South China Sea searching for those who were lost at sea from Vietnam. 
And in high seas at the last moment, C-suite with Dr. Stan Mooneyham, the president of World Vision at the time, found that little boat with over 90 men, women, and children waiting to die, having been ripped off by pirates at sea with no water or food. They were picked up and rescued in that darkness, a spiritual and a physical darkness, and ultimately arrived in the United States as Vietnamese refugees. Every one of those kids in that family must have had really high IQs because they all became highly educated. And Ven Chung went to Harvard and graduated from Harvard Medical School, earned a theological degree in the process, a degree in pharmacology. I mean, it went on and on, and now he practices medicine as a surgeon in Colorado Springs. Ten years ago, on a visit to Vietnam, he was deeply convicted that because the light had shined into the darkness of his world and rescued him, he now had to become involved and focused in a healing ministry, in a searching ministry for the refugees. So he's committed his life to this humanitarian crisis of the Syrian refugees. And that's what happens when the light of the kingdom of Christ shines into our lives. We see the world in a new way. We see our gifts in a new way. It's not just about me anymore. That's one of, been one of the perplexing things for me. I just continue to have to die to self and to pride and self-centeredness in order to live, in order for the freedom of the love of God and the light of God to flow through my life and to seek to empower a community of children of light who are called to a mission of preaching, teaching, and healing with the promise that the light of the world will one day break into this darkness in a way we've never experienced and the new creation will be present and we will live by the light that still shines in the face of Christ who will be at the very center of all that is. Our Lord, come. Defeat the darkness. Drive the darkness from my heart and the heart of my people and our nation in this very troubled time, in this time in which we are driven by the politics of fear rather than the politics of light. Lord, shine into our world and make us whole and heal our lives. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand with me and let's affirm our faith. We read responsively Paul's words from 2 Corinthians 4. Therefore, since it is by God's mercy that we are engaged in this ministry, we do not lose heart. We have renounced the shameful things that one hides. We refuse to practice cunning 
are to falsify God's Word, but by the open statement of the truth, we commend ourselves to the conscience of everyone in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who said, let light shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in clay jars so that it may be made clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Amen. You may be seated as we receive our morning offering.
Almighty God, your will is revealed in hidden places. We are told to be ready, for your Son comes at times we do not expect. In the uncertainty of these times, we pray that you would quiet our fears so that we may walk with confidence as we live our lives for you and look to bless others. Help us to raise the needs of others above those of our own, to take advantage of the many opportunities you give us each and every day to witness to the love and grace we have experienced in Jesus Christ. We give you thanks for our church as we have our congregational meeting today. We think of all the ways that we have been built up in our faith, provided with community and centeredness, taught and empowered by your word, held accountable to your truth, offered many ways to serve others, but most of all, guided in the worship of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord, accept this offering that we give as a sign of our obedience and bless our efforts as we seek to be faithful for the sake and glory of Jesus Christ, the one who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our closing hymn is Be Thou My Vision. Be Thou My Vision, O Lord, You know what I'm going to ask of you? To stay a little while this morning and be a part of the work of this congregation in its meeting. This is a part of discipleship as we seek to nurture and to build the Church of Jesus Christ together. So get a cup of coffee and fellowship 
and be back in here by 10 o'clock. And we will study and work and do the business of the kingdom together. In life and in death, we belong to God the light. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. Amen.